be the first time I will ever be speaking out about um, the things that were happening to me as a child when I was out of the care of my mother and father. Um, I want to put a couple of episode disclaimers on before you guys dive in. Um, There is a bit of child abuse, sexual abuse, mental and physical abuse um, content in in the episode. So please brace yourselves and bear with me. As I said, this is going to be the first time I'm ever literally just sitting down and this is my therapy. This is my first therapy session for just of of what I've been through. I don't know how to say it, you guys. It's just very sensitive for me. And I just hope you guys really just enjoy it and also um, just just remember, we got through yesterday. We're making it through today. And we damn sure are going to make it through tomorrow. Just listen. Okay. <laughs> I love you guys. Let's get into the episode. I'm so nervous. So, I'll say when I was probably about the first grade. Um, when you're in the first grade, you're usually about sixth, right? six or seven about seven eight you know going on eight right um I was in the first grade and I believe I had went on to the second grade yeah and I was living with my grandma during these years my well my mom's um I was living with my mom's foster mom. Um, she, you know, basically rose, raised my mom and, um, you know, adopted her. So she was my adoptive grandmother. And, um, you know, my mom had trusted her. Um, I had trusted her. Our whole family, basically, had trusted her to take care of me for a little while while my mom um, and my dad got their stuff, you know, back together because my mom had just had my little brother and um, I think she was pregnant with my little sister. But, yeah, my mom had my little brother and she was pregnant with my little sister. And I went to go no, my little sister was born. Yeah, my little sister was born. Now I think about it. My little sister was... I had ended up moving with my grandma after the... I remember we had lived... We were roomating with one of my mom's best friends. And her kid, she had her two kids. And my mom had her <clears throat> two, three kids, you know? And... They've always been best friends. Um, that's actually my godmother. My mom's best friend is my godmom, Keisha. 
and um, I remember my little sister was born because she had stuck a spoon in the lighter in the um, in the lighting socket, you know, and she an electrical socket. She had stuck a fork or a spoon in an electrical socket and electrocuted herself and shut all the power out the entire house. So. I know she was born, right? So I know I was about at least five at the time. And so for her to be sticking stuff in a socket, she had to be a little bit older than, you know, probably one. So I'll say I was about six or seven, like I said. So um, my mom and dad, you know, they were... I don't know why, but I had told my mom that I wanted to go live with my grandma. And me being six, um, you know, you know, I wasn't, I don't know. It wasn't my fault, you know, if anything that was to happen to me being there. I just knew that at the time, my grandma and throughout my life, you know, up until this time, she had been great to me and my mom that I had seen, you know. I hadn't learned about my mom's childhood or anything yet, you know. I'd only seen the present. So, you know, my grandma had brainwashed me and telling me that she wanted, she kept telling my mom we would go over there and visit her. And every time we would go over there and visit her, she would tell my mom that she wanted me to come live with her for a little bit, you know. She just wanted me to come live with her for a little bit so that she seen that I had so much potential and she just wanted me to flourish, you know. She wanted to give me a chance to do the things that she didn't give my mom a chance to do, basically, right? And, you know, um, my mom having three kids and it being her mother and her being young as well, you know, she asked me. My mom, that's one thing I can honestly say about my mother. My mother has never put me in a situation that, I've did, that I didn't want to be in. Um, my mom has always given me a decision, no matter how old I've been. As long as I can remember, she's always asked me, do you want to do this? Are you okay? Are you sure? You know, she's always asked me these questions, you know, and... Um, with me loving my mom so much, as much as I do, I've always wanted her to be her best, you know? So I, w- I, was, so- I was too smart for my age, way too smart for my age. I wasn't fast, but I was smart. It's a difference. And um, it's a really big difference, okay? So... I knew I would overhear these conversations with my mom and my grandma, and I would. So when I got the um, dilemma, when my mom had gave me the, you know, the she had asked me if I, you know, if I wanted to go, she gave me the opportunity. Hey, do you want to go and stay with your grandma? Because my grandma had also brainwashed my mom as well, telling her, you know, that she was gonna do wonderful things for me, get me into wonderful things, you know, and 
I agreed. I loved my grandma at the time. She was wonderful. So I agreed, you know, I went. The first year, it was okay. It wasn't wonderful. It wasn't too fantastic. It was weird because I remember everything so vividly. When I tell you my mind was so mature for its age for a reason, I know how God, I know that God had prepared my mind for the things that I would be, would had to go through, you know, and I do thank him so much for that. I do, because if my mind wasn't as mature as it was back then, I don't know. I feel like I have the same mind. I feel like I have the same mind that I did when I was seven. Like, literally. I don't feel like I have aged, you know? Of course, I have grown and, you know, and I've gotten better and I've become wiser, but mentally, I don't feel like I've aged. I feel like I've been the same mental age my entire life. So with that being said, I went to my grandma's house and the first month or so, it was all right, you know. It was a few things that threw me off. Um, one thing about my grandma's house is, okay, so it threw me off. My grandma threw me off a lot. She would do evil conniving things like, no, I'm not even going to sugarcoat like this I'm not going to sugarcoat anything because um, as I told you guys in the beginning of the episode that this is my therapy and this will be like I said the first time that I've ever been able to just really sit down and think about and talk about the things that I've been through as a child and up to now and and really not feel guilty for the things that I've been through that I didn't put myself through, you know? So anyways, my grandma would do evil conniving things like she would buy me stuff. First it would start it started small. You know, the first year it was it was little things like she would buy me stuff, but then tell me I couldn't touch it until certain days or, you know, unless I did this and, you know, until I finished this. And, you know, it was whatever. I thought it was just discipline. And it wasn't too nothing too, you know, horrible. Um, we would go to church every Sunday. At first, I didn't like church at all. It was boring to me. But then... There was something about church that I had to go. I needed to be there. And with me only being about seven, eight years old, I don't know what could pull a seven year a seven or eight year old, you know, draw them to want to go to church. And nothing drastic was happening just yet in my life. But something was Something in my eight-year-old mind was telling me I needed to be there. So, every Sunday and Bible study, we go, we'll be at church, the first people to get to church sometimes. 
but that was on Bible study days. We'd be the first people there. On regular church days, we try to get there. My grandma would try to get there on time before I get to Bible study. That was my favorite part. I wanted to make it to Bible study. That was the favorite part of the day. I was the only part of the day that I was not right next to her. She liked to have me like at her hip 24-7. I could not leave her eyesight until she left for work or went to sleep. And that was one thing that was a little bit odd to me because um, me growing up as the oldest child, I've always had a little bit more freedom, you know, growing up. And I've always, my mom and my dad have never put a limit on me as a child growing up, you know. They've always allowed me to jump and scream and cry and laugh, you know, talk and play. So going from that end type of environment into a strict, disciplined, like, you know, environment, it was a little, it was a little, comp- it was a little difficult at first, but I had, and mentally, it was only difficult for me mentally, but I had fall, fell into suit perfectly. It was like, I, when I tell you, it was something that always told me to be good. There was always something that was telling me, be good, don't be bad. And it wasn't the normal, like, you know, it was something strong, like, please just don't, you don't want to see that side of her. So, as time goes on, you know, things start to get even more weird. Um, now the punishments become more intense and I was a very, I was a very, I've always been a very, very intelligent, hardworking, dedicated student in school. You know, um, high school was a little bit hard for me because I've had it was just a little bit hard for me staying focused wise. Um, I had my daughter when I was a junior and I, I graduated and everything, but still it was very hard. Anyways, let me go back to the, let me, let's go back. We're gonna go, we'll, that's another story for another time. So, as time goes on, right? The punishment started to get a little bit more intense. Instead of them becoming mental punishments, they became physical punishments. And I wasn't a bad child at all. I can honestly say that I wasn't the child that you had to worry about. It was it was honestly so surprising to me about it was so surprising to me of how gruesome my punishments were because Anytime she got a chance to talk to about me to anybody, she would tell them how I was just the perfect kid. I was so great. I was so smart. Like, you know, she would always tell people great things about me. Um, every time she talked to my mom, she would tell my mom how good I am and that she just loves me. And, you know, we're going there. That she's going to take me to Disney World and she's taking me all these great places. And we're just having all this much fun. 
and the whole time I was miserable. And for example, she would literally, so one day, right, the punishment started off, like, they started getting gruesome, whatever, right, and I remember one day, I had went to the kitchen, right, I'm eight or nine, whatever, I'm about eight, I think I'm eight, yeah, I was eight years old, and I had went to the kitchen, I wasn't there very long, because um, it didn't take her long to show her true colors. So, one day I had, you know, I guess I had got too comfortable being there. Because, you know, it was my home, so I felt like I could treat it as my home. Um, She had the habit of always asking me to get everything for her. She would tell me to get her the remote control, it would be sitting right next to her. She'd call me all the way from my room to come find, get the remote from her and give it to her. And it would be literally sitting right next to her. She would call me and tell me to give. I literally had to do everything for her. Get, find her shoes, get her outfits out, fold her clothes, put her clothes in a washing machine, take them out the dryer. I had to clean every single part of the house. I had to clean the bathroom. I had to wash the dishes. Um, I had to help her cook. And she used to think that me helping her cook was like, that was my reward. She thought her letting me be in the kitchen with her and her treating me like her slave while she, you know, cooked was my reward. And it it was torture to me because... She wasn't nice at all. She was always mean. She would say horrible, mean things to me. She It went from her calling me beautiful and nice and giving me hugs and kisses all the time to her literally, like, flicking me in the back of my head anytime she can. Her literally calling me ugly, stupid. She would tell me how dumb I am all the time. Her favorite thing was to tell the whole family that I was a thief. Because... One day, I got hungry. I got a snack. I came home from school, you know. Mind you, I had one friend at this. I had a lot of friends at school, but I only had one friend that lived next to me. And um, she had made me walk home from school one day. And I was like, yes. Yes. Oh my God. This is what I've been waiting for. Because um, back in the day, you, you know, being eight years old, I lived right around the corner. Literally, my house was right around the corner from the school. If I wasn't home within six minutes, she was going to come find me. And if she found me and I was okay, I was going to get my ass beat. And when I say beat, like literally beat. So. One day, I came home from school, right? Oh, no, okay, hold on, let me let me back up. So, the night before, I had, you know, I was up with my grandpa because my grandpa stayed there. It wasn't her, okay, so my grandpa is not her husband. My grandpa is my dad's father. That's my dad's real father, but my mom is a foster kid, right? 
and so they grew up as like um they grew up as family friends so my mom and dad have my mom and my stepdad have known each other their entire lives and they were best friends their entire lives um when my mom when my dad's when my stepdad's but I don't call him stepdad. That's when I ref- when I say dad, I'm referring to my stepdad. But he is my real dad. I don't care. That's that's my biological father, regardless of what anyone says. So when my dad's mom had mother died, um, which was my mother's, like one of her best friends, basically. My grandpa, which is my dad's dad, he moved in with my um my mom's mother they didn't have any sexual or intimate relationship it was more of a um my grandpa really needed somebody you know and he really helped out he was there he helped out around the family around he was just the rock my grandpa was the thing that helped that kept everything together he was literally the guardian angel i don't really have because now that I think about it, and I'm going back, there isn't really a good reason for why he was there, but he was there for a reason, and I'm glad he was. So, <clears throat> when my grandma would go to sleep, you know, or she would go to work. So, Mondays through Fridays, she would go to work around 8 o'clock at night, and she'd um, do overnight shifts. She wouldn't come home till the next morning. And that was my time during the first year there, that was the best times that I had during the whole day, is when she would go to work. Me and my grandpa, he'd let me stay up for a little bit, he'd feed me a snack, you know, and he'd let me take it to my room, you know, and um, he'd tell me, make sure I throw it away, take it to my room, you know, or eat it at the table, but sometimes I would forget to throw them away, and me being a kid, you know, I did my room was never messy at all. But I did have a tuck spot, you know, me being a kid. And my little tuck spot was cuz I had a bunk bed. So in my room I had a bunk bed and I slept at the bottom but on the top bunk was all my teddy bears. I had like all my teddy bears and dolls were at the top bunk. But all the teddy bears and dolls at the top bunk, I wasn't allowed to touch them because I'm not sure why. They weren't really mine. They were they were bought for me, but they were basically, I guess, like for decoration. So I was never allowed to sit on, sit on the top bunk or sit on the top bunk or play on there, touch the dolls or nothing up there. <clears throat> I was only allowed to even play with the toys that I got um, when she would allow me to. Or if somebody would come over with their with one of their children, then she would allow me to bring out my toys. So I had a, it was very boring. Like it was very boring half the time. I did the the thing that I did the most for fun was dance. When she would leave, I would dance. I would dance, and even when I couldn't move, I would literally dance in my head. There would a beat would come on, or I would make a beat, or I'd be watching something on the TV, and I would dream that I'm on the TV, or I am dancing somewhere on stage, and I'm just in a different area, not in where she is, you know, in my own world. 
That's how it kind of kept same when she was around. Most of the days when she would be home, I she literally I'd clean every single day. I cleaned something. She would find something for me to clean, rearrange, get something. It didn't didn't matter. I remember there'd be times when there'd be nothing for me to clean because I'd clean the whole house, and so she'd have me literally rearrange the um, rearrange the cans, the you know the canned foods, and the cabinet. Take them out and rearrange them all again. Okay, so anyways, back to the story. So my grandpa, you know, we had this little thing, you know, I would get my snacks or whatever, but I had got lazy, you know, me being a kid, you know, some days I would be lazy and tired, you know, I'll be literally clean all day. And once she went to work, you know, me and my grandpa, we have a little moment and then I would go to my room and I'd try to go to bed. Some days I'd have insomnia, you know, but one thing I know is I would go, I remember I would go to the kitchen, I'd grab me another snack, and i eat it, and then i throw it on top of my bed. But I wouldn't throw it just like any messy way, you know? I just, I'd put it up there, and I'd tell myself, let me make sure I grab this to throw it in the trash can before I leave for school in the morning. But I guess, okay, so one morning, as, you know, so one morning I was moving too fast and I forgot to take the stuff to the trash. And I came home from school, and, oh, my goodness, I had got the worst whooping I've ever gotten in my entire life. That was the day she had literally snapped. Like, it was like after that day, she was never nice to me ever again. That was the way that she would treat me for the rest of the days of me being there. So I came in the house. And it was so quiet. And I had this eerie feeling on me, and I was just like, it was weird, you know? So I went to go look for my grandpa, but he was gone. And he's usually there when I get home from school, but he wasn't there. So I was like, maybe he, she must have sent him out to go grab something, you know, run an errand. Because she would always send him out to go run an errand and then beat my ass. So... That's why I just knew it was coming. I had this eerie feeling. Once I realized my grandpa wasn't there, I was like, what did I do? I hope that he's at a doctor's appointment or something, you know? And so I had went into the den and I found her. She would always be on her computer playing solitary or some some game on her computer, right? Some solitaire game. She Spider Solitaire, that was her favorite. And she she was playing it on her computer and she said, "Come here." And I walked up to her. I had this dreadful feeling over me, and I was just like, "Oh my god." And I seen the switch, right? So usually her usually her um, M.O. would be, okay, so, let me pause for a second, I would usually get whoopings, because, like, I'd either, like, I wouldn't be sitting up straight, I wouldn't move fast enough, she would think that I would have talked back, or I, I wasn't moving the way she wanted me to move, 
you know, and the whoopings would come like she would tell me to get a switch off the tree. We had this tree in the front yard, and she would tell me to pick a switch. And if I picked a, a if I picked a weak switch, or she would go pick one herself, and it would be it would be worse than the one that I picked, right? Every time. So I always just made sure I just picked one. I just didn't even just just picked one off the tree, and she'd take all the leaves off of it, and she'd whoop my ass, right? But this time it was different. So I was prepared for the switch whoopings, but this time I was like, okay, what did I do? Because there's no switch, right? And she's like, come here, girl. And then, but that's not how she talks, right? I can't really talk as sterile as she does. And she's like, come here, girl. And I'm like, oh, shit. And she pulls the pudding cups that I had left. At the top of my bed, she pulls them off of her little table, off like by the side of her desk, and she's like, "You know, mother." She just starts going off on me. I can't even remember what she was saying. She starts going crazy on me, like literally crazy. She starts calling me all types of thieves. Tells me I'm a thief. I'm a liar. First, she asks me, "Yeah." She says, "Did you eat these?" And I was like. No, and I'm not gonna lie. I did lie because I don't know. It was my first thing, <laughs> and I said no. And she went crazy, and she was like, "Oh, you little liar! And you're a thief. You're a liar and a thief. I can't trust you." And she was just going ballistic on me. And as she's going crazy and cussing me out and calling me all types of stuff, I'm literally standing there and she's moving around and I'm trying to figure out what is she, what is she looking for? And she pulls a cord. So like, just so you guys can understand what kind of cord this is. Okay. So this is a cable cord. You know, the cable cords that we used to plug in directly into the wall and then directly into the TV just so we can get the basic channels. Yeah, that cable cord. She pulls out that thick-ass fucking two-sided screw cable cord and starts whooping my ass with it. Like, literally just starts hitting me with it any place that she can. And I'm literally trying my best to, like, move and, like, I'm literally running from her, Right? And she gets me, and I, she gets me down, and she, like, holds my hands behind my back, and she pins my head against the wall, and she starts whipping me in the back with the cord, just whipping me, whipping me, whipping me, whipping me, like I was a real-life slave, and I can't even remember the things that she was saying, because all I could remember is at that moment I was like just Lord and I had never in my life when I tell you I have never I've never in my life called out for God before and that was the first time that I had ever called out for God and I felt him and and I was like God please help me you know and I was, she was whooping me, whooping me. And I was just like, mom. And I started crying for my mom. And I was like, I just want my mom. And then she stopped. 
and I was just crying and crying and crying. And she was telling me to stop crying and was telling me if I kept crying, she was going to whoop me some more. And so with all my strength, I tried my best to stop crying, you know. And um, she ended up getting ready for bed. She had went to bed or did something. I can't remember, but all I can remember is I went to the bathroom and I lift my shirt up and there were, we had a full-size mirror that linked against the wall. And I lift my shirt up and my whole back was blistered. I had at least 20 blisters on my back, all up and down my back, up and down my arms. I had at least 20 blisters on my back alone. And then my arms, they were on my arms, my legs, my hands, and mind you, I went to my mom's house every weekend. So in my head, I was like, okay, I'm going to my mom's house. I'm getting, this is, my mom's going to see this and it's going to be over. I'm not going to ever have to come back here again. And I remember she had ended up telling my mom or something that I didn't want to come over or something. She ended up telling my mom that I didn't want to see them or something. I can't remember, but <clears throat> I remember hearing her on the phone telling my mom that I wasn't coming over this weekend and we were going to do something. And I had just cried inside. I literally cried just really real tears. I cried because I felt like I just didn't know what was going to happen next because why was she keeping me away from my mom? Why was she torturing me and not allowing nobody to know? And when her cover up would be that I was a thief and I was stealing, but I never left her house. I was eight years old. How could I steal food out of my own refrigerator that was supposed to be, you know? How could a child steal food that is supposed to be for them? And these people are supposed to be working to take care of them and take care of you and you and they can't even get some food stealing. Like, I don't know. So she lives such the whole entire family. I was a thief <clears throat> and I was in punishment. I was in trouble. And, um, but she had told my mom that me and her were going somewhere and she was telling them that we were going out and she was going to take me to Disneyland and I was going on a cruise yes she told my mom that I was going on a cruise and my mom was just like you know like what like okay you know and I know my mom wanted to talk to me I know she wanted to talk to me but Grammy, she wouldn't allow her to talk to me. She was, she was telling her I was, I was playing with my friends. I was busy. I didn't want to talk. You know, I was having fun. She'll have her call me later. You know, I'll have, you know, she'll have me call her later. And none of it was true. It was all a lie. I was literally like sitting there, just in the other room, listening, just literally dying inside. And it was crazy because little did I know that was just the worst. That was not even the worst to come. 
I didn't know that I was to I was going to endure ten times worse than what I was enduring from her. And then within the next couple of weeks for the rest of the time that I was there. And now that I think about it, I'm feeling like was it all set up? Was was the was the second half and the most gruesome half of my torturous time in her care a part of her plan because now that I'm sitting here and I'm trying to let it all out to you guys and I'm trying to you know get closure with myself and get make get some peace within myself it's like maybe it was all and maybe it maybe she did have something to do with the things that are haunting me the most I know for a fact that she did play parts in it for sure because there's no way in hell there's no way in hell that the things that I had went through and I had endured while I was in her care should have ever happened to me especially me being a child at the age that I was and not having any control or any any outlet any help literally being hopeless and taking advantage of in every way you can think of by everybody that was around me and then for me to be eight years old seven eight years old feeling like all this is actually my fault feeling like I actually did something to deserve all of this feeling like I actually deserve to go through the things that I was going through like I just don't understand so basically so she had told my mom and my dad that I was going on a cruise with her and I had these blisters running all up and down my body okay and I just sobbed I sobbed and sobbed when I every time I looked in the mirror I sobbed and sobbed it took about four days for them to start to heal they were so sore I could barely lay down when I would lay down I had to literally lay like in the weirdest position because when I tell you the blisters were literally all over my entire body the only parts that they weren't on was on my stomach and my face so Literally, I had to lay in the most awkwardest positions, you know. So she would go to work and whatever, you know. My grandpa, he, he didn't, he didn't help me. He didn't. And I don't hold any grudges to him. I love him dearly. But I wish he would have, I wish he would have helped me get away from her because if he did then I wouldn't have had to go through the things that I had to go through next in their home and it's like so that you know my scars were healing and so it was about like a week later I hadn't I don't think I I don't think I had talked to my mom 
but my grandma's my grandma's grandson had came back home from the military and he was very very horrible person he was very cruel and nasty and I don't even think there's a word for the things the type of person that he is um so he had came home from the military and I had never met him and it was my first time meeting him and um I was, you know, I was still young. I was about eight years old. So I wasn't very mature at all. And body-wise, you know. Um, I was still a baby. And the first... The first few days that he was there, everything was okay. He tried to become like my best friend, which was like the weirdest thing. We were really close at for like the first, I think it was like about the week. Like the first week he was there, we were really close. He was like a big brother to me that I never had. Um, He would see the way that Anna would treat me and he would try to comfort me and a good way, you know, not a weird way at first. Um, he would try to sneak toys for me to play with because he noticed that she didn't let me play with any of my toys. So he would come in my room and he would um, bring me a doll or bring me something, bring me some cards, you know, bring me something that I could keep myself occupied with. Um, and he would sneak me outside he would ask her because I could go outside if I had an adult or somebody you know so he would ask her he would tell her hey um I'm gonna take her outside so we can go clean up or do something you know and we'd be outside and he'd he'd let me go outside and you know I'd go outside and I didn't really notice what he would be doing while I was outside I'm not gonna lie because I wasn't really allowed to go So, me not really being allowed to go outside, I would, when I did get my chances to go, I take them. I was, I was just being free. I was in another world. I would act like I'm in another universe. I used to be the greatest actor in the world. And I'm telling you, I had the wildest imagination. And I would take those 15 minutes that I had and just just live a 8 year old life after the week went by it started to get weird with him he started to come in my room at night and um, remember I mentioned to you guys my grandmother went to work Monday through Saturday, actually. She even worked on Saturday. She didn't work, no, Monday through Friday. No, okay, no, she went to work Sunday through Friday. She worked 
Sunday night and she worked Friday night. So she had Friday days, you know, Friday, Thursday night. So she had Friday nights off and Saturday nights off. So every other day, so, you know, every other day, Sunday through Thursday, she was gone at night. And it started becoming very weird because um, after the first week or week or two, he started coming to my room. And I had actually started going back to my mom's house. I had started going back to my mom's house when he had first got there. And now that I'm thinking about it um, correctly and actually talking about it, in 2005, I had turned seven. So when all of this abuse had started, I was six, about six, six and a half. Um, six for sure, but the physical abuse started about six and a half. Um, so I had remember, I'm going to just keep going as best as I can just remember. Okay. And I'm just going to go off the things that I really just, that I remember vividly because those are the things that still haunted me basically, right? are still, you know, causing some issues in my daily lives. So I remember, okay, um, he had started coming in my room and, um, he would tell me that if, okay, first, it first started off I don't really remember. All I remember is he started coming in my room. First he would come in there and be checking on me. And then he would come in there and he would... Um, first he would never touch me. He would have me touch him. And... <clears throat> excuse me. He would like take my hand and like put it up against his private part. Um, first it started with me doing it him making me do it through his clothing and um as time would go on um he would the 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 intimate i don't know how to call it i don't know what to call it the abuse became more molestier if that's the word. Um, so when he had first came in my room, he would tell me, he'd be like, oh, you just want to make me feel good or some weird shit. I don't remember. But all I do remember is that when he was comfortable enough, I guess, with me to... take it there the things that the thing that he told me for me to keep my mouth shut and that traumatized the hell out of me was that if I ever told anybody or said anything to anybody that he would kill my mom and me being that six seven year old girl that loves her mom to death that would literally you know, do anything for her mom at that age, 
I was like, whoa, I can never let that happen. And um, so after he had said that to me to like kind of scare me and traumatize me into like this box, um, he would make me perform oral sex on him. And me being my age, I did not know what I was doing at all. And he would get very upset and he would smack me in my face or he would tell me um, if I didn't do it right, he was going to hurt me. And um, I, I was so scared and traumatized. I can still to this day, I can still to this day smell what he smells like like me talking about this right now I close my eyes I can literally smell remember what he smells like and um, that was when I was like that's crazy that that is still stuck with me after all these years and here I am, 24, 23, going on 24, and I can still fucking smell him. And I never really, like, have sat down and really just have been able to just, you know, get this out or just even go over these things and just actually, I've always put a mental blocker and a physical blocker on these memories um, because I felt like they were more... It was safer for me and my family that way. Um, but now that I have my own child, and she's coming at the age that I was when these things are hap- was ta- was happening to me, I can't do nothing but think about the past and what I went through. And I just hope and pray that I don't miss anything with her. And have her going through the same things that I went through as that I did. So, um, one thing I did notice is he would, it started to go, it would, he would, he would do this, uh, very often. If not every day, he would do it whenever he could. Whenever my grandma, and you know, it, it was, it was very it was ironic because I used to be so happy when she left for work but it turned into those being my most dreadful moments I wanted her to stay and I wish she could just see you know and see what I was going through and see me and just take me with her you know but she never did she never seen me. If she did, she didn't care. And I was alone. I didn't, I felt like I didn't have anyone. I felt like I was literally trapped. And I couldn't believe that 
that was my life. And mind you, I am seven, six years old around this time, and I don't even know how to, I don't even understand how I was wrapping my mind around all these things that was happening to me. I don't even understand how I was able to think the way that I thought, you know? And I just thank God that I was able to because I know that if I wasn't as strong as I was, I would have been broken to this day. I don't know who I would be. So one thing I didn't notice is, okay, so he would do it whenever he could. Whenever my grandma would go to work, that's when he would try to come in my room. Um, but it wasn't all the time because, not like, it was all the time, but it wasn't every single day. But it was every other day, every every chance he could get, you know what I mean? Because if it was, if it could be every day, he would make it every day. You know, um, another thing that had saved me a little bit was my uncle William. He lived there, but he loved to go out to the clubs and he was barely home. He was usually there just to sleep. And one thing he would do is before when my, when my grandma would leave, he after my grandpa would check on me and put me in bed, um, my uncle William would come and he would check on me and he would tell me he loves me. Sorry. And my uncle William would come in there and you know he would tell me he loves me. He would give me he would literally, you know, give me that that um that elderly manly comfort that I deserved but in the way that it was appropriate you know um, he would come and give me that little bit of time that I was longing for you know nobody else gave me the attention or the comfort that my uncle William did as when I was living with my grandma other than my mom, you know, when I would go to hers, but other than him, he, no, I didn't have nobody, um, but he was barely home, you know, he was barely there, but when he was there, he would try, but I was always in trouble, he would try his best to do, to try to get me out of trouble, he would try to, you know, he will always try to save me. And I remember one night my uncle William had went out to the club with his friends and um, Michael, that's his name. Michael had came into my room and he told me to get up and I was I didn't know what to think because usually everything happened in my room but like I said he as time went on he would get more rapier I don't know if that's a word but he would 
and he would see he he would each time he would try to see how far he could go you know if he can get a little bit further um like with that being said so like at first it started off with him making me you know touch him through his clothes and then he you know would take himself out of his clothes um we were always fully dressed but he would always you know uncover himself and then it started him um guiding me basically instructing me on how to give him oral sex and that is that right there is something that I feel like I it was very hard for me to even say right now because it's the most disgusting and the most like I want to throw up even thinking about it that that's something that I was having to do every day every other day and he would get upset because like I said I didn't know what I was doing me being seven years old six and a half you know um and I would sometimes I guess hurt him and he would smack me you know and um one time he had one time he had released himself in my in my mouth and he tried to tell me to swallow it and I was like I it was the most disgusting thing I have ever tasted in my entire life it was the most degrading thing I feel like I had ever been through as a child or would have had to ever go through as a child and um I could not I could not bring myself to swallow whatever the fuck it was in his whatever okay and it's so hard for me even be me being by myself in here trying to talk about it I feel uncomfortable and I need to not because it's like I said I am not guilty for the things that happened to me I am not guilty for the things that happened to me and I have to got to stop feeling guilty for the things that happened to me I did not do them to myself and I have no control over any of these things I was six and a half seven years old and there's no way in hell that I could be responsible I cannot bring myself to do what he was asking me and I had ran to the bathroom and I guess that was like um, a fucking no-go because I basically had kind of startled the house you know um my grandpa was usually once my grandma once my grandpa was asleep he was asleep it was hard to wake him up his his brain was his own alarm clock like he had his own like something in his brain told him when it was time to get up you know so he you know was never late but it was never no waking him up he was a deep sleeper and you know it was a little bit hard so it wasn't like if you're listening it wasn't like oh right like grandpa and he slipped in the den like it wasn't i don't know shit honestly i don't know 
I'm not making excuses for anybody anymore. But I do know that what I know. So I ran to the bathroom and I spit it out in the toilet and I was trying to like spit it out and like rinse my mouth out with water but I was getting water everywhere all over the floor and all over the counter but my grandma she would always like change her bathrooms up and like she had she would like get special carpets like literally make her own carpets and put them in the bathroom and like change it up so change it with the curtains and all that you know so I was more I was more um scared that my grandma was going to see all the water on the floor in the bathroom because right you know under the sink it was it was wet and um he had literally came like to the bathroom but like acted like he was being concerned and he was like what's wrong with you are you okay and i looked at him and i was like trying to figure out like what to say because usually in these situations like when he would come in my room or something if he would feel like there's somebody coming he would make me be quiet or he would make me literally like act like I was asleep or he'll make me um I think one time he he had hid under my bed but I don't even want to go there. I just want to get this. I just want to get my piece out. Alright. I don't want to even go into full details about every situation that I went through in my house. I just want to go through the things that are actually every day now that I am getting older. And now that my daughter is getting older, these things are haunting me. And these things is I can't look at my child without thinking about these things. And these are things that I really have to... I need to come to grips with, you know what I'm saying? And I really need to make sure that I do what I need to do as a mom to fix my, not fix my, but <sighs> mentally get a little bit of stability, you know? Get a little bit of mental stability for myself so that way I can be stable for my daughter if she ever goes through anything. And I can make sure she doesn't have to go through none of these things, you know? So then, it became this one time, okay? So it was coming this time, and I was, I, I was over it. Time was coming, and I was, time was going by, and I was literally, I was going crazy inside. I felt like I was the most unloved child on the fucking planet Earth, you know? Um, I wanted to tell my mom, and I was, that was what I was going to do. I had made my mind up, I'm going to tell my mom I'm going home. I'm not doing this no more, you know? So I had literally made my mind up. I'm going to tell my mom. And remember, you guys. My mom. Oh, she had my brother. So my mom was pregnant. She had my little brother, Jaja, you know? I was... So during these times of me being molested by my cousin, I was going to my mom's house on the weekends, but... He had told, you know, had fucking brainwashed the hell out of me to make sure that I did not say a peep. And on top of that, my mom had just had my little brother, Jaja, and I loved the hell out of him. Like, it was, 
I was waiting when she was pregnant. I was waiting for her to have him. And then when she had him, I was like, this is my baby. This is my baby. And every moment, I spent every moment with him when I went to visit with my mom. That's all I remember when he was born. I remember I remember his eyes. Those this I remember his eyes and I remember just holding him and just being with him and not really like I think that helped me to be able to keep going through the things that I was going through. On top of that, I I used to dance with my little brother. I would lay him on a couch and my mom had just moved, like my mom and dad moved to this house on Broadway. And um, if you guys have been listening to, if you guys been listening to the show, then you know what house I'm talking about in the first season and you know, the episode, This House or Us. We went back to the house that I'm talking about. And um, you know, you guys can go back and listen to it if you want to. But anyway, so my mom, we know she lived and we lived in a house on Broadway and um, my little brother, we, I would dance with him. I would lay him on the couch because he was literally just born. He was out like a month, you know, and I would lay him on the couch and I would dance and I would jump on the jump up and down on the couch and I would perform for him and he would literally just like light up with so much joy and just give me the unconditional love that I've been looking for that I was missing and I went back to my grandma's house and then you know stuff happened and I remember that weekend it was the weekend that Michael had came into my room and he was like way over comfortable now it was like he was gonna try to go for gold um i don't know if that's a good way to say it but i have to try to have some type of humor right now to try to get this rest of this over with i'm almost done this this episode i just want to hurry up and get it out so i don't have to go through this no more so he had came into my room right and he was like come on get up and i was like um you know, a little bit eerie because, you know, like I said, I we everything usually happened in my room. And he was like, come on. And he walked me down the hallway to my Uncle William's room. And my Uncle William had went out with his friends that night. And I was thinking like, um, I don't think this is for some. All I remember is being nervous that we were going to get caught. And that was my fear. Me being seven years old, I was nervous that I was going to get caught. That he was going to get caught. We are going to get caught doing whatever we're doing in my Uncle William's room. My Uncle William was going to be extremely mad at me. Okay? Because that's what Michael had brainwashed me as well. Not only was he telling me that he was going to kill my mom, he was also telling me that if anybody found out... I was going to be a little hoe, slut, and nobody was ever going to trust me. Anna already doesn't love me. It was just a lot, you know, for my little brain. 
And so all I'm thinking is like, oh my God, like I've already, Anna already does hate me. Any chance she can get, she's beating my ass, you know? Any chance she's get, she's telling the family she fucking hates my guts and she's beating my ass, you know? And on top of that, then I turn around and I have this man using me as like I'm an item worth a dollar or 50 cent, you know? And I have these people around me that don't even notice what's going on. So my little brain, it was just so much that I could handle. So I went into the room and he told me to lay on the bed and then he told me to take off my clothes. And I was like, oh my God, I don't, I didn't know what to think. I just did what he told me to do. He told me to take my clothes off and he literally instructed me to do things that he would usually have me do and then he told me to get on the bed I didn't get on the bed at first and I asked him and I was like why I do remember asking him why and he told me to shut up don't ask him no questions just get on the bed hurry up before somebody comes and so I was like God I got on the bed and all I remember is looking at the black curtain because I believe my uncle had a black curtain up. And I was looking at the black curtain. And I was looking at the way it was pent up on the wall. Because every house, every room in the house was decorated, like, perfectly. Because my grandma just, she was one of those people that wanted everything to be decorated perfectly, like, out of the catalogs, you know. But it was just, that window, my uncle William he didn't care you know and all I kept thinking was I wish he would just come home because he's the one that was different he was the one that didn't care he was the one that was different you know everybody's seen it he was different everybody thought he was different and he was a little bit more special than others and he was the one that I could he would save me all the time from Anna you know so I was like, he's going to save me. He's going to save me. He's going to come in here and save me right right on time, like he always does, you know? Like, he's going to find out or something. Something's going to, my uncle's going to find out. Like, I'm in this room, and I was looking at the curtain because the way his curtain was pent up, it was pent up with, um, with thumbtacks, you know? And... Out of, you know, not the little fancy rods, not nothing else, but just the thumbtacks. And I was just thinking, like, please, just come. And I just kept looking at the thumbtacks. That's all I was thinking, just please come. And I remember Michael had got on the bed, and he tried to get on top of me. And he tried to rape me, but it would not, it wouldn't work. It wouldn't go his way. Um, first of all, due to the fact of me only being seven and, um, also, I'm, I'm really going to say to the fact that God was with me at all times. I know that's a weird thing to say in a situation, but. My purpose is way bigger than anybody can know. 
And right now, I don't really know my purpose to a full, but I have some idea. And I know, I do know part of my purpose is something so big that I know God has been preparing me since I was a young girl. So, he was trying to rape me, but it wasn't going how he planned at all. Um, and he got very upset. I remember him trying to like change, make us change positions a few times to try to force it to work. And I was just, it was very painful to me. Um, I started to cry and he was telling me to shut up and stop crying. He wasn't yelling at me, but he was being very like rude, trying to like quietly but aggressively tell me to shut up and stop crying. And on top of that, now I'm just thinking like, damn, all this was happening in the room and nobody heard none of this. And honestly, I don't remember where everyone was. All I remember was I where I was and what was happening to me. You know what I'm saying? I can't even now, I'm really, like I'm thinking about it, I can't really account for where everybody was or what everybody was doing. You know, all I know is what was happening to me what I was going through and um, it was just odd to me that every time something like this was happening to me there was nobody around there was nobody for me to call nobody walking around nobody coming to check on me nobody calling me my name nobody asking me to do nothing for them you know it was like every time this was going on it was like it was just always just me and him and I was just the weirdest part that was the weirdest part and I think about it so like I said after that so after this and he he was upset he made me get up um I was crying I went to my room and um he told me to go wash my face and stuff and I went to the bathroom and I was crying in the bathroom then I I went and I laid down in my room and I closed the door and um I closed the door and I went to sleep that night and that night I had one of the worst nightmares I ever had in my entire life and you know at first I thought that the nightmares were coming from I don't know. But now as I've really sat down and I've thought about all these things, I didn't start getting these nightmares until all this had happened to me. You know? Um, it was that night I had started getting these nightmares because it was like I had a dream. It was like this shadowy thing was coming into, coming to get me. And... I could feel it coming. I could always feel it coming. Always feel it coming. And once it got down or got in my doorway, that's when the dread would just fall. Would just fall down on me. And it would be like I would just die. And it's crazy because now I'm sleeping here and I'm like, damn. 
them sleep paralysis dreams that I think I be really having, you know. It all makes sense. Those sleep paralysis dreams is really those dreams, you know, that I was having when I was a kid. Of the shadowy figure creeping down the hall, coming to get me. And as closer it could get, the more intense feeling got. More intense, the feeling rolls and rolls and rolls. And then as soon as that shadow gets to your doorway and reaches you, it's like, it's all over. You can't move. You can't speak. You can't breathe. It's literally like you're paralyzed. And that's exactly what Michael was doing to me in reality. And when I would go to sleep, I'd have to live it all over again. And I had to start telling my mom about the dreams, I remember. And I was telling my mom, I'm having these nightmares. And I was I would wake up screaming and crying out of my sleep at my grandma's house. And I would, I, I know I remember I told my mom about them. And when my mom was trying to figure out, you know, what was wrong. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't remember. I couldn't I couldn't put my finger on. Because me being a kid now, now that I'm an adult and I'm grown, I could I would be able to fully un, fully understand and comprehend those dreams and be able to tell her why I was having them and what was going on, you know. But as a time when I was a kid, I didn't know. It was just a scary I was having nightmares. It was a scary thing happening to me after this other scary thing was happening to me, you know? And my mom didn't know about me being molested every night. So I think if she did, then she would have knew that, okay, maybe my baby's having these nightmares because of this, you know? Or she wouldn't, I wouldn't have been having them. But now that's crazy because it, it really, it, it really was following me in my dreams. That's what Michael was doing to me. He would literally, he would make me feel like I was having sleep paralysis in reality. Awoke. I would not be able to speak about nothing. I couldn't move. You know, I was stuck in that spot. It was like a deer in the headlights. Wherever he would catch me is where I would be stuck. You know? I'm in the room, I'm stuck there. And it's like... <sighs> so I had to went and I was going to tell my mom. And, you know, because it had... It was coming to the point where I didn't know. I don't know why, but I, I was ready to go. I had to get out of there. And, um... Then I got a phone call. Well, we got a phone call. But Anna had literally, like, the day that I was going to tell my mom I wanted to come home, Anna called me in the room and told me that my little brother had passed away. And that, oh, oh, that broke my heart. That broke my heart more than what I was going through. There was nothing in the world that hurt me more than that. When she told me that Jaja passed away, and the way she told me, 
way she told me was so this is what she did i'm not even gonna lie to y'all right now because this is my therapy okay so honestly this is exactly what happened and i was gonna tell her i was gonna go home and i want to go to my mom's house and she told me my little brother passed away and i told her i said i need to go be with my mom oh i want my mom i at first i didn't believe her i couldn't believe it you know i had heard it over the phone but it didn't really hit me and sit into my body until I had witnessed it with my own eyes and seen him. But I had, she had told me he passed away and I'm like, I didn't really believe it, but I told her I want to go home. Like, I want to go to my mom. Like, I have to go home now, you know. And you know this lady going to tell me? Thank you guys so much for listening to Wild Women Experience. Okay, so I know that episode was really intense, okay? And I appreciate if you guys listened to that entire episode, I love the fuck out of you. Um, honestly, this is very hard for me to even... If you're listening to this episode right now, give me a fucking high five, okay? Because when I tell you that this is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life, like, it deadass is. I have never thought that I would speak my truth and let everybody hear it um I did tell my mom and dad about this a few months ago but you know so this is very fresh for us all and this is a very sensitive subject for me so if you do end up listening to the entire episode the next episode um just please just, you know, just please understand that it's really sensitive, okay? But I do love you guys, and I want to thank you guys again. And what do we always say? If you got through yesterday, and you're making it through today, keep that energy, you're going to make it through tomorrow. Until next time. <laughs>